Good morning, church family, and welcome to Sparks Studios. We are ready for vacation Bible school. If you look around the sanctuary this morning, so many people wearing purple shirts, and we're really looking forward to investing in the hearts and lives of students this coming week. Lynn told me just a few moments ago we have over 240 students registered, and she shut off online registration. So uh, looking forward to an incredible week here at Woodlawn in Sparks Studios as we learn about the person of Christ this week together. Over the course of the last few weeks, we've been looking at the subject of church membership. We first looked at the subject of, is church membership biblical? Does the Bible expect command, demand in any measurable way that I actually join a church? Is joining a church a biblical command? Then last Sunday, we looked at church membership as idea of covenant, covenant church membership. And we looked last week at our own church covenant. We'll reference that just a little bit uh, this morning as well. Uh, Today, though, I want to specifically address this morning the subject of meaningful church membership, meaningful church membership. Now, this morning's going to look a little different for us. It's normally our habit for me to preach 25, 30 minutes every Sunday. And then after the sermon, you know, we sing and we're dismissed. Well, this morning, uh, after the sermon, we're actually going to spend a few minutes together in a time of question and answer. I've had a lot of questions that have come from you over the course of the last few weeks as we reflected on this topic together. And we pastors felt like it would be uh, beneficial to the congregation to actually have some of those questions uh, answered and asked here during our worship gathering. So after the sermon, Mr. Rob Shelby is going to ask our first question, and that will set us off on a wonderful uh, time of conversation for about 20 minutes before we finally dismiss. I'd like to encourage you to take your copy of God's Word and look with me to the book of John John chapter 13, John chapter 13. I want to speak on this main idea this morning. Meaningful church membership, meaningful church membership is rooted in love. Meaningful church membership is rooted in love and expressed in love. Meaningful church membership is rooted in love and expressed in love. In John chapter 13, Jesus gives to his church a new commandment. Of course, the disciples would have been very much aware of the Decalogue. They would have understood the commandments of God from back in the book of Exodus. And so here Jesus with this group of disciples giving them a new commandment. They understood the concept of commandment. And Jesus, in this commandment in John chapter 13, is going to take the two halves of the Ten Commandments and combine them into one and express what the totality of all of the commandments of God are seeking to address 
here in John chapter 13. This text in my mind also has been kind of seared in my mind for the last 10 years. Uh, my first meeting with the pulpit committee at Woodlawn, Dr. Jeff Andrew was the chairman of the committee, and the very first question he asked me was, what is Jesus's new commandment to his followers? And here is Jesus's new commandment to his followers. John chapter 13, let's begin reading in verse 31. When he had gone out, Jesus said, now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you, you will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. Notice verse 34. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. And what is Jesus's foundation for this new commandment? What is Jesus's foundation for this new command of those who would follow him? Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Verse 35, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus grounds his entire expectation of love on behalf of his New Testament followers in the love that he has expressed for you and for me. And notice this distinguishing mark that is to characterize the life of the early church. This is a mark that Jesus himself has given. It's, it's a mark that Jesus himself has expressed, and it's a mark by which you and I should be known. As we think about church membership, as we think about regaining meaningful church membership, we must begin where Jesus has. Meaningful church membership is rooted in love. Friends, as we think about what it means to be connected to the body of Christ, I suppose that we could spend the next hour with each of us noting a number of, of benefits of what it means to be connected to the church. But think about it in terms of practice. How, has, how have our churches, at least in the context of our own maybe denomination, our own, our own city, our own country, what has church membership looked like over the course of the last, for example, 50 years? What has that expression been? For too many churches, the extent of church membership is an agreement that I have that I will perhaps maybe show up if on a good month, two out of the four Sundays. And by show up, I mean show up on Sunday mornings. 
And by show up, I mean sing a few songs, maybe offer a little prayer, and even when the offering plate stops by, offer a little offering in the offering plate. And then we live our lives completely disconnected from one another for the totality of the rest of the week. And if next Sunday happens to be one of those Sundays that I'm available to participate in church, then I'm there, and I can say I went to church, and that has been for many the expression of what it means to be connected to the body of Christ. But is this what Jesus had in mind when he gave to us this commandment that we love one another, and not just the commandment that we would love one another, but that this would be the mark by which all people would know, I am a disciple of Christ. We are disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. If the love that you express toward the people who are members of this church is the defining mark of what it means to be a follower of Christ, might I ask us a question this morning? What type of follower of Christ are we? What type of follower of Christ are you? What was the example of the early church? Jesus has given his expectation of what believers, disciples, should be doing in connection with one another. Let's look for just a moment to the book of Acts and see two expressions of what I believe are expressions of this love that Jesus has given to his New Testament followers. Acts chapter 2 and verse 42. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. And then Acts chapter 4, verses 32 through 37. Acts chapter 2, we'll begin reading in verse 42. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Meaningful church membership is rooted in love. We see that in John chapter 13. Now notice it expressed in love here in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And they... That is, the early followers of Christ devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds, the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And notice the end of verse 47. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. Now some time elapses in the narrative of Acts before we come to chapter 42. Sorry, before we come to chapter 4. Notice Acts chapter 4, verse 32. Acts chapter 4, verse 32. Perhaps even a few years have passed by the time we come to this text of Scripture, and notice 
the practice of the church. Notice the expression of love from the church. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to them was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. And there was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of land or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. And thus, Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. The early church was living in such close connection with one another that the Bible notes twice in Acts chapter 2 and then again in Acts chapter 4 that there was such a devotion among the body of Christ that the body of Christ actually knew the needs of the body of Christ. And not only did they know the needs of the body of Christ, they were willing to act in a way to meet those needs. Why? Because they were expressing the love that Jesus had expressed for his people. They were expressing the love that Jesus had expressed toward them. Jesus, in this very sacrificial way, had given his life for his followers. And in turn, his followers were giving of themselves for one another. We see in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4, this meaningful church membership being expressed through the commandment Jesus had given to his followers, love. Now notice a few things the text does not say. These were not communist compounds in Jerusalem. In other words, it wasn't a demand that everybody sell their home. You didn't have to sell your land or your possessions. After all, the narrative throughout the book of Acts is God using the bountiful blessing of numerous people who opened their homes so that the gospel could flourish. The early church was not meeting in a beautiful, nice building like this. They were meeting primarily in those early days in homes the Bible in Acts talks about one of those people, Lydia, for example. So Acts chapter 2 isn't saying to all of us today, hey, everybody at Woodlawn, in order for you to say that I'm living out my life in a meaningful way in connection with my brothers and sisters, I've got to leave today, sell my house, and bring it back next Sunday and place it at the feet of Pastor Lewis. This text is not demanding that in any meaningful way. But notice what this text is highlighting. The church had such a care and compassion and devotion to one another that they were willing to give deeply of themselves. 
They were willing to sacrifice of themselves to make sure the body of Christ was being cared for. Now, friends, there's only one way in which this type of devotion and care is expressed in the body of Christ. It's expressed when we rightly live out our lives with this idea of meaningful church membership. Did you notice the few times in this text where the Bible talked about one another? This word one another is used in the context of the New Testament about a hundred times. And of those hundred times, 59 of those hundred times are an expression of some way that believers are to live or not to live in relationship primarily to one another. In fact, come back to these two texts for just a moment. To whom was the early church to respond in this overly compassionate way? To whom was the early church devoted? Were they devoted primarily to those outside the context of the local church? Or were they devoted primarily to those on the inside of the church? As we think about maybe Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4 being expressions of the benevolent ministry of the church, to whom should the benevolent ministry of the church be focused? Believers or random people that show up at the church office on Monday with a story that their dog died, their cat got run over, they lost their job because they fell off of a ladder, and their house caught on fire this morning. And if you don't believe me that we get stories like that, come hang out in the church office. I want to make an argument just briefly to you, and this isn't even the purpose of this text primarily. But the major focus of the benevolent ministry of the local church in the book of Acts was not to those outside the church. It was to those inside the church. But notice what happened when the church rightly loved one another. Acts chapter 2, verse 47, at the very end, and the Lord added to their numbers, how? Daily. Why, friends? See, the expectation is that you and I would have such a radical love toward one another that that expression of love would be seen by those on the outside of the church and they would ask the same question that we see later in the narrative of the book of Acts. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be connected to a group of people who love in this most incredible, generous, self-sacrificing way? How do we love like this? Let me offer a few very practical suggestions, Woodlawn, for how we can love like this in the context of our church family. First, Love people who are not like you. Love people who are not like you. If you're young, 
be intentional to get to know some of the elderly believers in the life of this church. If you're older, get to know some of the younger people in the life of this church. How do you do that? In practical ways on Sunday mornings. Don't just hang out with your favorite group of friends. Walk into the sanctuary on a Sunday morning and be very into... Sit where you always sit. It's fine. I know you're Baptist and you're not going to move. Fine. But walk into the sanctuary on a Sunday morning and be very intentional to have conversations with someone that is radically different from you in terms of age. We read the book of Titus, and one of the things we learn in Titus chapter 2 is you younger people, we younger people, we need the older people. (laughs) You older people need we younger people. I need Mr. Robert as much as he needs me. When's the last time you've had someone, had an extended conversation with someone that's three generations away from you? If you're not a child, that's the majority of us, care for the children. Volunteer to serve in our children's ministry. Love the children. If we've got a mom in the sanctuary that's maybe seated in a pew with three or four children by herself, or one child by herself, or a dad with a child by himself, and that, and that child is making some noise, offer to help. Get up and go sit with mom. Get to know the children in the life of this church. If you're a child, be intentional to connect with some of our adults. Talk with them. Learn what they enjoy. If you're not a teenager, help with the youth ministry. One of the things I really appreciate about Dirk and Laura Crone, you don't even have a teenager in the youth ministry. But both of you are serving on Wednesday nights in our, in our student ministry. Miss Dana Morrison, how many years has it been since you had a teenager yourself in student ministry at Woodlawn? And yet, every Sunday, you're investing in the hearts and lives of teenagers in the life of our church. If you're a teenager, get to know someone in this church that is not a teenager. Be intentional to have conversations with some of our senior adult ladies. Ask them if they need their yard mode. Express kindness. If you're an extrovert, slow down. I don't know an extrovert. Slow down and befriend an introvert. 
And if you're an introvert, speed up and befriend an extrovert. Do you get my point, church family? I think one of the most beautiful expressions in the life of this church occurs every Sunday morning when church is over. If you've never stood around because you're in a hurry to get out, stay back for 10 minutes this morning and watch what happens when church ends today. 30 minutes, I agree with that. Stay 30 minutes. Stay 45 minutes after. That is another beautiful opportunity for you to connect with someone that is radically, totally different than you are. Secondly, we can love by speaking the truth. Speaking the truth in love. How do we do that? Pay attention to what's going on in other people's lives. Be intentional to maybe see who's not been seated around you for a week, two weeks, three weeks. Perhaps the reason that person has not been seated around you is they had an accident, a motor vehicle accident, and had been in the hospital for a week, and none of us knew it. But if all I'm doing is showing up on a Sunday morning and only concerned and consumed with me and I'm not being intentional to forge relationships, then what happens? People are hurting in various ways, and we miss it. And because we miss it, we cause an offense. Pay attention to what's going on in the lives of those around you. Be willing to talk about general patterns in brothers' and sisters' lives that in some measurable way might be sinful. One of the benefits that we should gain from the life of the church is every one of us need to be rebuked from time to time. That happens often in my life. I shared a story with you guys from several, several years ago when I had an exchange here in the sanctuary with my wife and Pastor Laramie overheard it and I walked in on Monday and he said to me, hey, can I talk to you for a second? I said, sure. And he said, hey, I heard the way that you responded to Erica. I didn't think it was all that kind. I need to hear that rebuke, friends, as much as you need to hear that rebuke. But if we're not living in connection with one another, if we're not knowing one another, how in the world does that type of expression ever happen? Be willing to speak the truth in love. Be willing to see what another is doing in terms of service and commend them for it. When's the last time you took an opportunity to write a note to your child's Sunday school teacher and thank them for the investment they're making in the life of your, son, of your child? Lastly, love the entire congregation. How do we do that? Four times a year, we print for you our church directory. And four times, at least four times a year, I say to you, use this church directory for what purpose? As a prayer guide. 
One of the ways that you can love the totality of this church is by being very intentional to use your uh, membership directory as a prayer guide. Be praying for people. And the names in that prayer guide that you don't know, call them. Invite them over for lunch. Invite them over for a meal after church on Sunday mornings. Go out to eat with one another. Get to know each other. Secondly, volunteer in a ministry that impacts and benefits the totality of the church. And yes, every one of us can volunteer in some way. Volunteer to work in the nursery. Volunteer to be on the sound crew. Volunteer to be in the worship choir. Volunteer to use your gifts and talents in some way that benefit the totality of the, other, of the total church. Thirdly, build others up through discipleship and intentional connections. Lastly, there's one thing that each of us can do that benefits the totality of this church. And that's for every one of us to give sacrificially and generously. Perhaps you say, Pastor, I'm on a fixed income. I'm a widow and I don't have much to give. And everybody in this room understands. But we also have the testimony of the text of Scripture of that widow who gave of everything she had and in doing so received the Lord's commendation. There isn't a single person connected to the life of this church who is exempt from sacrificially giving for the work of ministry in the life of this church. Let me encourage you. Perhaps it's not been your regular habit to faithfully give to the work of ministry in the life of this church. Do you understand in some ways what you're saying to everybody else? My financial means is far more important than anybody else's financial means. I don't think that the ministries of this church are worth investing in. I don't think that the kingdom is worth investing in. Now, you're not necessarily consciously saying those things, but by not, by not faithfully participating giving, that's exactly what you're communicating. One of the ways that every one of us can participate in benefiting the totality of this church is by all of us sacrificially giving. Will you show love in these ways, friends? Will we at Woodlawn regain meaningful church membership? I want to commend you in a thousand ways. One of the things that I think you do in a very wonderful way is love. Let me commend you. But friends, even when we do things well, we can always grow. Would you journey in that growth with us?
Would you make a commitment this morning that you're going to do better, be more intentional in getting to know someone that's different than you today? Would you make a commitment this morning that says, I'm going to be more intentional in encouraging others around me? Would you make a commitment this morning, I'm going to be more intentional in serving in the life of this church? Would you make a commitment today, I'm going to be more intentional in giving? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the grace that you have extended to us through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And God, as we reflect on this idea of meaningful church membership and we hear the words of Jesus, we ask, Lord, this morning that you would sow into our hearts at Woodlawn Baptist Church a desire to grow in love. Help us, Lord, to express love toward one another, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you take a few moments where you're seated today and reflect on the preaching of God's Word? In what ways are you communicating this radical idea of love toward others? Perhaps where you're seated this morning, you just want to take out your worship guide and and maybe jot down a few things you feel impressed upon about doing. And make a commitment this morning. You're going to do those things. In just a moment, we're going to stand and corporately respond to the preaching of God's Word. Friends, it's impossible for any one of us to express this type of love if we've never encountered the love of Christ. We would encourage you this morning to see the example of Christ, to believe in Christ, to trust in Christ. And it's only by believing in Him, having faith in Him, that we can truly love in these ways. If you have questions about what it means to trust in Christ as we sing, myself and Pastor Travis will be standing down front But friend, you don't have to come forward and talk to one of us. There are plenty of people seated around you that would be delighted to share with you how you can trust in Christ. Secondly, maybe you'd like for one of us just to pray with you. That indeed this demarcation of love might be increased in your life. We would delight in shepherding your heart by praying for you. And thirdly, maybe God is impressed upon your heart that this is a congregation in which you need to be connected to live out your life on mission with Christ, this would be an opportunity for you to express your interest in being part of this faith family. Lord, as we respond to you this morning, may our response be pleasing to you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.